0: Well, whose fucking fault is that, Steve? Uh
1: that will be uh Murphy's fault, obviously. Murph, classic Murph. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve.
2: And I'm still here. And I'm Brett.
1: And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the spinning saunter. See, I got it right this time. Oh are uh, you? Yeah? Nobody will ever know. You mean this, this time? Second time we've done it. <laughs> uh gentlemen how are we how is everyone Brett what about you what have you been up to this last? well Steve
0: I believe I talked to both of you chaps throughout the week but a real quick check in with you two because uh I got gravel delivered and that was a task and a half um and because of all of your lifting goals I realized that well let's backtrack for a second I did not realize that when you get gravel delivered, even if you offer them money, they don't spread it out for you. No. <laughs> so I attempted to, you know, grease the wheels as it were, and have the guy just like take the load, kick it back and then just fucking drive away. And he was like, no. <laughs> so <laughs> ten yards of gravel was dumped in front of my place. And I spent um two and a half days because it it killed me uh to do it one (laughs) shovel load and then the gorilla cart that jess has i was just toting them back and forth to various places because you know it's like 20 or 30 feet in either direction from the pile and you can only take so much in the cart at a time i did not realize what i was getting into with it but it looks damn good i'm just very sore
1: and, I was going to say, like, would it not have been an easier with a wheelbarrow? And then I remembered that you're doing all this on sand, so that's, probably not.
0: That's the part that I think really got it, was y- you throw everything in the cart, and I aired the tires up a little more, you're right, to make them kind of hard. Yeah. Uh, it didn't matter. So <laughs> just dragging everything to the sand, and then just needing to take breaks, because it was like six hours the first day, and then yeah. like four hours the second day, and then I took a day off, and then I... <laughs> I cracked up the rest of it.
1: So, so you did a half day, then a quarter day, and then a day off. And yeah,
0: there you go. It's like you don't go to the gym for twelve hours; you go for a few <laughs> hours at a time. If you guys can see, for visual listeners, uh, you can just see in the background that wall is painted. That wall yes. is not. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting. Uh, I did mudding, taping, prepping, all that stuff for the kitchen space, so that I can actually start building out in there. Um, I had to take a step back and realize that building out the cabinetry was a little bit too quick, right? Needed to get some actual stuff prepped. So moving power outlets, um, fixing up drywall, all that kind of stuff. And now I'm starting to paint, which means after that's done, I can start putting things in place, deal with the plumbing, Nice kitchen space done. I haven't started on the lime plaster yet just because uh, I'm lazy, maybe question mark. (laughs) I don't know. Moving a shit ton of gravel. I didn't want to be attempting to plaster afterwards i couldn't feel my shoulders so it's been a productive week um feeling good about everything but really need to clean up and reorganize just as i go
1: along that's it for me though nice yeah uh yeah good work man i mean it is a shit load of gravel to move and especially if you're not doing that sort of work all the time it fucking kills me. <laughs> I've not like, used these like, muscles like, in my back before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's it's such a silly thing to talk about because I definitely like Ben asked me. He's like, "How's the gravel going?" I was like, "What a like banal conversation <laughs> to be like." I moved rocks today. It was a it was a day of
1: rocks. Yeah, I mean, I I can remember when I used to labor and like the the first uh, like couple of weeks of of being there, just constantly being like, "Why are you not done with all that stuff yet?" And I'm going. <laughs> there's fucking loads of it and it's heavy and yeah, it's not fun um but yeah uh al what have you been up to
2: um so this weekend was uh the ubiquitous scout weekend uh so we we're away camping um it was a little bit different kind of a different spin on camping uh this week because we are doing uh something called the Yorkshire challenge, which is instead of just collecting regular scout badges, this is like an award where you do loads of different activities. Um, but what's gone,
1: sorry. As soon as you said Yorkshire challenge in my head, I was just trying to think of like, like how, how tight you can be. No, I, I yeah. was thinking more like hotdogging competition, but it's like Yorkshire. Just and and gravy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Roll them up. <laughs> Cigar. Um, yeah, but what what's nice about this challenge is you can you can kind of um put your own twist on it so you can make what you want of the activities. So for instance one of them is just camp in an unusual place. Yeah. So we're going to try and see if like the aquarium will let us go and camp there. Um, That's fucking awesome. Yeah, or um take part in a water activity. So it's like, well, we'll just have a massive water fight. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be in the aquarium. Kind of, in the perfect place for it. Um yeah. it doesn't have to be these sort of traditional scout you know, you yeah. must do exactly this and uh, get a, a a bearing above 500 feet above sea, You know, yeah, yeah, it's the non-specific stuff. So what's great is because we've got like a ragtag bunch of scouts, being able to put our own spin on these challenges is really really fun. Yeah. Um. So th- so this week it was camping, but we- it was camping indoors. So we had a we had a hut. We camped inside. We had like a a, a full roast dinner because we had a we had an oven in the kitchen. <laughs> so Instead of scratting around trying to like toast bread on a fire, it's like yeah. no full up. We actually had yorkshires. Um, brilliant, yeah, it was great. Um, and like the kids had never had parsnips before. It's like what the what, what? what do you mean you've never? And so they're eating these roast parsnips. It's like what is this oh. delicious, chewy, sweet goodness? Oh, I um, fucking love parsnips. Yeah, so it's great. So we, we, we're setting ourselves up for this um, challenge. Uh, throughout the year we've got to do different activities um, yeah. and this yeah this is the start of it it's
1: nice sounds fucking awesome man lots of I, fires yeah.
2: lots of lots of hiking it was really beautiful and frosty at the weekend i don't always like down you steve but it was uh, like beautiful and frosty and frosty but there was like a weird fog so then when we got above yeah. the fog level and the hike you kind of look back down and it was like being like in the heavens it was amazing yeah. fucking awesome
1: yeah it's um it's been super foggy down here as well because we um uh, obviously we've got the orchard and all, all of that and it was really nice because i took a couple, couple photos of that and put them in the uh the fools with photos um group chat oh nice had like before and after ed- ed- editing them and Dandel's put some in there from um like the scenes at Yandel's with all the fog and everything else and it's quite nice like having that discussion about like how you can make things look foggy and how you can clear things up when they're in the fog and and everything else and actually saying that that whole um group chat has uh yeah, it's been really entertaining the last like week or so the amount of um of like chatter and photos that have gone into it and it's really nice seeing like how people have um taken their own photos and edited them but also how like someone will put up their before and after and someone else will download the photo and put their spin on it and oh. yeah it's it's really nice um very good but uh but yeah like other than uh being in that group chat i've i've had quite a <sighs> I was gonna say quite a quiet week um that's not true at all but it's just all been boring work stuff um the uh there's lots of stuff that's happening with um with like forthcoming stuff with work um obviously with the pots uh being launched that's quite fun and interesting so we're kind of like ramping up to doing all of that again um and lots of discussions about uh some cool things that we're planning on doing this year um so one of the the things that we struggled with last year is obviously we had the youtube channel um did really well but we just didn't have the the time and money to really invest in it properly um but this year we're kind of there's some stuff that I'm, I'm going to talk to you guys about uh off air but i can't don't really want to talk about too much on here um because i wanted to actually be ready before i start building up the the hype sort of thing i think there's been yeah.
2: some hints in the chat hasn't there steve about what yeah. What yeah maybe so yeah. yeah
1: maybe yeah um so we're, we're gonna be starting up a second channel um uh but it the whole thing basically means that we're gonna be able to do more of the forge videos more videos on this second channel um and it's going to be basically that's what we're going to put our marketing budget towards so rather than spending it on uh giving the money to other people for marketing we're just going to create our own marketing um which is really cool really exciting Um there's a few other bits like that that are kind of on the horizon and, and like oh this might happen soon uh but i don't really need a
0: jingle for steve's secret <laughs> yeah.
1: but the trouble is, is a lot of it is like super exciting stuff but i don't want to say because it's it's very much a case of like this might possibly happen but yeah you get your hopes like,
0: up a little too much if talk yeah, about exactly. it.
1: yeah like the same with like uh the amount of like tv shows and stuff that jimmy's had that have never gone anywhere sort of thing um so yeah uh cool fun exciting stuff there uh the other thing that happened is uh can you remember when you came down and you cooked those squashes for the um book launch Those oh, cheese and the nuts and yeah. stuff yeah 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 amazing and there was a couple of like big pumpkins left over mm. uh they've been kicking around in my kitchen since then and i keep going yeah i'm gonna make a soup out of them i'm gonna make a soup out of them <laughs> and Finally, Sam just got so annoyed with the fact that she was constantly moving around the kitchen. She went, fuck it, I'm gonna make you a soup. Um so I've been eating delicious pumpkin soup all week. And it's I mean weird. a testament to how
2: good vegetables last if you Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they were they were oh it was beautiful. Um and uh yeah, so last night I had um pumpkin soup and I made some mulled cider with the the last of the cider that I'd taken up to Johnny's and uh it was the coziest night in I think I've ever had. It was fucking amazing um but yeah anyway uh so whilst I was at work today i was thinking about what we were going to talk about today um i had a brilliant idea for a, a shopping um and then i was listening to the two-thirds focus podcast and they they decided that they were going to steal my shopping uh they talked about everything that i want to talk about like even hit on all this. the points that i'd wrote, written down um and which what's even more annoying is the fact that all three of them English as a second language, <laughs> and they can all speak English better than me. It's not fair. Gooder, uh,
2: gooder than you. <laughs> ah, that's Good, it, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, But yeah, so, it, but it was really kind of interesting to hear them put their own spin on it. Ooh. Um, so yeah, I think we could uh, maybe maybe touch on that. And Al, it looked like you had something you wanted to say there.
2: Yeah, I mean, even just you hearing you talk about the um, the fools with photos group. Yeah, it's like there's so many opportunities there for you to put your own spin on something with photography yeah. so like uh, this is how i compose it this is how i shoot it this is how i light it so the photo itself is already kind of the way you're i mean that's why i love photography because it is yeah. your interpretation of it you know it's not just about pointing the camera and clicking it's like this is how i see it through the through the lens yeah. but then learning about editing and learning about manipulating it after the shot there's a whole another world of you, you're able yeah. to put your own spin on it. And I really love that. So I love, I love how people can edit video in their own, you know, Brett, you've got a very, um, kind of recognizable style that is very yeah. Brett. So even if you didn't see the subject matter or your face, for instance, I reckon you could, there's a, there's a signature kind of way of, of approaching something like that, mm. even color grading, you know, you want to get super technical and things, yeah. I think, um, this. Uh, storytelling and capturing of projects is a great way to put your own spin on anything so not necessarily just the actual project itself yeah but how you go about it you know this old tony could tell a story about something in a very different way to 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 brett or to to steve you know yeah
1: i mean yeah cuz i think like to go back to the the idea of the fact that we're doing the second channel like it's i don't i don't think it's it's any secret that it's going to be based more around food than around um blacksmithing um But we're like one of the things that I think is going to set us apart is the fact that it's going to be in our style. It's going to be in the way that I film and it's going to be um, presented in the way that we present things. And like, I think having I'm really looking forward to being able to put our spin on what is quite a saturated um, market.
2: I was going to say, we're in a world where there's a million of this, there's a million of that. I mean, I've I've just caught a glimpse of a, a channel today that i've never seen before um it was a bit like chris fix mm. um but it was too much like chris fix but not yeah. didn't have the personality and the style and the the, the twist on mechanics that he has yeah so it's kind of like this show is redundant what, what, yeah. why, are you, why are you doing this you know and obviously he's doing it to get views and to get numbers and to piggyback yeah. off somebody else's style which i thought was a shame but also i was like well it's it's more than that it's a missed opportunity yeah, because you could be, you could have the basic premise of something, uh, a blacksmithing channel, a yeah. food channel, a food-based blacksmithing channel, you know, <laughs> which in itself is not necessarily unique, and that's not the be-all and no. end-all. But but then for you to go, actually, now this is Steve's style, yeah, or this is Al's style of narrating, and then all of a sudden it becomes ownable, and it becomes interesting, and it becomes different and yeah. stand out.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you look at uh, like Jimmy's videos, like the with the the sped it up and the like all filmed on a GoPro, all filmed like that. It's that's now such a a common way of of filming it, but most people, especially within the maker community, still talk about that as Jimmy style, Mm. and it's a Jimmy style video. Yeah, yeah. Um, And even when people put it out, they kind of say like Doresta inspired or you know, whatever. And, and I think that's a testament to the fact that he was kind of, he was one of the first people to, to do it like that and not just one of the first, but he um, he was so prolific with it that it it became known as, as his style. And I think that's a really interesting thing as well is the fact that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the first person or the, even the best person to do something in a certain way mm. for it to become known as your style.
2: Um, this is why I love the um, the challenge that Dan's doing at the moment, where he's yeah. kind of putting your spin on uh, a, a, an inanimate object or a mundane inanimate project,
1: fucking object.
2: Um, but then pushing it to go actually show me ten ways that you can put your spin on it. Yeah, because it'd be very easy to just go, "Oh, this is my style. This is my this is my one signature style, and I'm going to do everything like this." Yeah, and then it just becomes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, expected.
1: Yeah.
0: Right that just reminds me of art school though uh hey. in the first year of actual design schooling like you spend your first year just doing basics classes you know and seeing if it's for you but the first design class that I started uh we did a logo design uh project yeah I guess it would be a project I looked at it as a challenge because what they wanted us to do and this was like day two of the class they were like Okay, first step of this project is you need to de- you need to draw come up with 300 designs and you get to choose a it was like a bird, a fish, a dog or a cat. So you pick one of those animals and then you have to design a logo with that imagery in mind. <clears throat> everyone does 300 of their own individual things some of them obviously just terrible right it's like stick figure drawings just to get concepts down but everyone had to hit this 300 mark and then they took all those pages and threw them in a bin and it was like okay now everybody that saw a similar logo to somebody else's everybody that you know we all we all get caught up in the same kind of imagery and the same kind of um, inspirations and things mm. like that they wanted us to deviate from that like find your own yeah. style is a very important aspect of this and putting your own spin on like how many different ways can you draw a fish mm. they they're really cool and intricate looking creatures maybe you can go super minimal maybe you can go really photorealistic but then is that less of a logo all these all these little design aspects that get worked into it and by the end of it you know a couple weeks later of going through horrible stresses of wanting to nail this first project in design school, most people came up with something really unique that we had never seen before. And then, you know, it was like adding a little bit of text or you could start telling a story about, oh, I made a, I chose a fish and then I chose to do a bait shop, but Mm -hmm. it's a bait shop that's styled after the 1940s or 1950s, you know, and it it started to develop putting your own spin on it and telling your own story, setting that Mm -hmm. table like we talked about a few weeks ago where people stopped worrying about the logo as just logo and started focusing on the context of it the story behind it developing their own i don't know what would you call that like marketing package al something <laughs> for it's like brand identity right They yeah, would, yeah. It started to flesh out a lot more
2: and um, yeah i i'm thinking about this kind of identity thing that goes with it and Brandon is a great example of that. Um, catching like shitty like Instagram reels or whatever they call it on TikTok, where it's just like little people doing things like it could yeah. be a dance or like some joke <clears> or <throat> some, something or a prank or something. And a lot of people think that they just do the same thing as the thing that they've seen. Yeah. As if that's adding anything to the story or, you know, making it interesting. And it only becomes compelling when someone sees something and goes, I'm going to do my version of that. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking back to like the the ice bucket challenge, you know, yeah. lots of people doing an ice bucket challenge. Great. You know, if it's for a good cause, blah, blah, blah. But then when somebody goes, no, I'm going to take that idea and I'm going to go, right, what if it was this or what if yeah. I did it in reverse or what yeah. if I, you know, what if I did new? it with a,
1: a dumper truck instead of a
2: bucket yeah. sort of or thing, I yeah. bought a bunch of people on top of some ice or something. Yeah. You know, what, how do we, how do we, how do we make this yeah. worthwhile? Yeah, Um, and I I don't. I don't mean that in like a preachy way. Like, unless you do something different, it's not worth doing, because I think there's a whole level of respect about doing something the proper way or doing something the way somebody else does it, and that could just be a challenge for yourself. You know, I want to make uh, a a blacksmith knife in this in the way that Steve would make a blacksmith knife. Yeah, because it it's compelling to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think that is something that. uh, the original subject i i've been thinking about a little bit which is i think it's it's really um it's a really good way to to kind of develop your own style and to learn more about um how things work if you not necessarily like wholesale copy someone else but if you try to reproduce something in their style like you go right okay well i want to make this spoon but i want to make it in the same sort of style that brett would make it in or i want to make it in the same sort of style that i would make it in or whatever um i'd really try and hone in on what it is that makes that other person's style their style what makes it so uniquely them because if if you just use your own style all the time then you kind of you never develop skills outside of that area and so you're always you, you know, you're relying on those same things like you're relying on that that focus pull to, to transition in that yeah. camera shot or you're relying on this and and you never um you never expand your own repertoire um and i think that's a really important thing is learning that yes just because something is your style doesn't mean that you can't then um brett you're such a distracting idiot um he's a fucking face on his hand everyone and it's really it's a really cute little face as well and it's really distracting um but yeah basically like if you can expand outside of your own repertoire then it means that um that you're able to to bring in those new skills
0: well i think i think it's really important to look at this as the um the builds we do right al just mentioned it but i I don't think it's so crazy important to to try and break the mold every time right it's really difficult to talk to um like when i was going in and, and kind of doing a ta work for college professors, or I went back a couple of times post graduating and uh, actually did some critiques in the classes and stuff. It's, I feel like it's less important to go, you need to come up with something hundred percent unique uh, because we all know that most ideas that we come up with or most approaches to building or making a thing it's been done before, or somebody's thought about it, or you could yeah. find it if you dug deep enough. Um, Steve, we've mentioned this a little bit in the past. Uh, where your products that you guys are creating are not necessarily unique, right? No. Like there's only so many different ways you can make pots and pans or the ladles, but I, I will admit that ever since you guys started, uh, or you did the video showing off the copper coffee scoop, I've seen loads of people do it. And I don't know <laughs> if they were doing it prior to you guys or if it was all inspired by, um, and I, I don't really want to like push outward and say, Oh, my friend does that, you know, or, Oh, yeah. my, the forge is who came up with that. But I think there's a, a, an important aspect of challenging putting your own spin on it, right. To go back to the yeah. original conversation. It's I've seen, let's see, bottle openers, right. As blacksmithing goes like a bottle opener functions. It serves one purpose effectively. And I've seen people go outwards from it. You know, Ben Snurr put the clip on it. He put the little clip on it so you can put it on yeah. your belt or in your pocket. Uh, Jeff doing his, you know, flip out knives and uh, and like the bottle openers and things like that. These people that are taking these, I don't know, pretty minimal function tools or, or whatever, and then putting their own spin on it. Awesome. How do you challenge somebody that is just learning or taking the time to practice these things because they've been, let's say, inspired, for lack of a better word, by something that somebody else has made and not like drag them through the mud going, well, like a million people have done that before you? Because it cuts creativity down or it cuts productivity down if you feel like you're not making strides for yourself. And I feel like this is a conversation I've had a few times in the last year of going, yes, it's fantastic that you're making that. And I kind of hold back from going, yeah, it's not as original as you think. Or yeah. there's actually, you you must have seen that somewhere because I know the guy who makes that. And that's, that's I don't know. I don't want to put you down. Like yeah. John D. Harvey making the tentacle bottle openers. Yeah. I was blown away the first time I saw those. He talked me through the entire process of making the tentacle on the sword thing that I did. And then I found out within the next few months that like a few people had been doing it. There yeah. was, the, you know, the the female YouTube channel or whatever that touted like I was the first one to come up with this. I found out that she
2: wasn't the first one to come no. up with it. I was going to say if someone a- is actively saying that they definitely yeah. weren't exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean
1: that that's why Chris Cash is so vocal about the fact that he didn't come up with the 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 dragons twist. Like that, it's there is nothing that's original. Everything is just and the the, the the stupid thing is, is that's incredibly true, especially with crafts, because it's it's all been done before. It's just it's a different way of putting these things together. Um yeah. but I think like Al said, like a, a really good way of doing it is doing what Dan's doing and saying, right, here's a mundane object, make a a bunch of them in different styles, try a, a bunch of different things, come up with some interesting ideas, take that mundane thing and do something with it. And if it is a case of someone making something that you know you've seen someone else that they've met, like made it, then say, right, well, you know, I've actually seen this done in a few, uh, like by a few different people in a very similar way. You know, what is your unique twist on it? How how are you making this uniquely yours?
2: Hmm. Um, I, I've just there's a point you made earlier, Steve, about kind of doing something the way someone else would do it. Yeah, as a as a learning exercise or as a, a way to kind of unlock your own version of it. Yeah, and this this takes me. Me back to art school, Brett, and something that we used to do, which was about creating something in someone's style. Yeah. So, you know, a, a, a Lichtenstein approach to graphic design or, right. you know, um, how would Matisse do this portrait? Um, and it wasn't about trying to copy a painting. Yeah. It was about understanding how Van Gogh manipulates paint so yeah. it wasn't about trying to paint like, like, exactly the, the yeah. painting. It was yeah. about understanding that if you apply brush strokes like this, or use a palette knife, or yeah. use this particular thickness of oil paint, that's how you get that effect. Yeah. But then paint something in your style. Yeah. That's so thing. You, you, you've, got, you've got you've got those techniques. It's the techniques exactly. Yeah. So it's not necessarily even about the subject matter. It's yeah. about going. If I understand the techniques, then I can put my spin on it.
1: Yeah, because the, the beauty of that is you can then. You can apply those techniques to, to your own style. It's like doing a a cover version of a song, like you know, you're, yeah, you know, yes, you have to learn that rift, but you're you're doing it in your own way with your own instruments and and everything else. It's
0: so funny because I'm having all these flashbacks now to uh, my very small tight knit class during art school, um, and it was specifically illustration where we were given the task of, like, we were given a subject matter but then randomly drew names of other classmates and had to draw that thing in their style. Nice. And so not even looking at the masters, like we had to go for someone that we sat next to and it was like, Oh my God. Well, if you get Julia, she has the, you know, this, I think I've even talked about it before. She was one of those people that was so talented, but in the like adolescent, we always called it adolescent style, right? Where it's like a single line drawing, no color, Yeah. And nailed it every single time. Like she could have been Gary Larson, you know, the new Far Side stuff could have come out of her, but it it was like, Oh, if you get Julia, it's going to be cakewalk. You don't really, you know exactly what you have to do. The person that got her failed so miserably to capture (laughs) whatever that element was that Julia had, because even if you try and recreate it, you know, this is, again, this is me trying to be, uh, I don't know cheerleader for the people that want to learn the thing but they need to find their own spin like a lot of times if you try and paint like picasso you won't you yeah. won't nail it it's all the people that are like i could do jackson pollock and you're like you can't and i'm not even a huge fan of, of pollock uh in general like i've tried i've, <laughs> I've given that fight a good fight but enough people saw splatter paint and were like, I could do that. Or a Rothko where it's just color fields. (laughs) And you're like, I don't like Rothko at all. It's not my thing, but you can't do it. And it doesn't achieve the same goal that they did. So this whole challenging yourself to learn from the other person, but you will more than likely not nail it. Especially if you look up to those people as, as like the highest end of, creating that thing Mm -hmm. and that's why you like what they do there is so much or there are so many variables that go into what makes that thing that thing in quotes yeah you're gonna miss the mark and that's okay it's good to learn those things but putting your own spin on it will also help you avoid going wow i wasn't able to nail that so in a really like kind of downplayed benefit if you don't try and perfectly recreate steve's brass coffee scoop <laughs> that's probably a good thing because
2: it's yeah, yeah. fucking difficult
0: and you can you can find your own spirit
2: i think it is good make a monster impression there um <laughs> there's i think what it unlocked is that there's a lot of facets that go into into the way someone does something yeah it's not just the a specific technique it's not just a specific media or tools yeah right um or style it's it's all the things that go behind it it's all the the neuroses and like um (laughs) personal demons that you're battling while you're doing something that make it individual and make it interesting and you could uh, uh, you know we've gone 40 minutes without having a food analogy but (laughs) it's it's about cooking you know give give some give two people the same bag of ingredients and the same temperature oven and the yeah. same utensils, it's gonna turn out fucking different. Yeah, even the most simplest of dishes. Um, because there's so there's so many different things that go into something.
1: Yeah. I mean, like the the best analogy that I can have for this, and again, it's one that I had written down, was the fact that I've been told so many times by so many people that it doesn't matter what I wear, it doesn't matter whether I'm wearing like gym stuff it doesn't matter if i'm wearing my work stuff it doesn't matter if i'm wearing a suit to go to a wedding or if i'm wearing like gear to go out to a, a gig or whatever i still always look like a farmer <laughs> 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 and no one can ever put their finger on quite why it's the bearish, yeah <laughs> fuck you um but like, it's just, there's something about me that always makes you look like a farmer. And like, no one can put their finger on it. And I think it's the same with, with people's styles and stuff like that. Like, it's very, very difficult to say that's a Brett because of whatever, or that's an owl because of whatever. I mean, with Al, it's normally because there's green paint splashed all over it. But yeah, it's it's very difficult to, to really nail down someone's um, style unless you understand that... Um, that subject really fucking well um which is where again like the the idea of uh honing your 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 techniques comes in because you know without going into the whole art versus craft argument again like a really good craftsman would be able to imitate someone else's style um within their own craft because they understand those techniques so they already know all the techniques that are are used to it so they're able to look pass those techniques and look at the intent within those techniques.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Do you guys think that people should feel more comfortable knowing that they can achieve whatever the goal is rather than uh, constantly fighting to find their own style? This is something that came out of, I don't know, years of different jobs, but definitely started in art school where There were some people that just it's like they couldn't ever develop a style, but they had masterful handling of the medium, amazing photorealism or impressionistic paint strokes or motion. Whatever it was, the idea that they were capturing on the medium, they did a great job. It just never looked individually them, right? Or specifically like, oh, I know this has to be painted by such and such person. It it didn't matter at the end of the day. They were doing great. The problem is I feel like we are meant or we are conditioned to try and find our voice, our approach, our style. And it's so beaten into us that we need... You have to be an individual. You have to do a thing. But clearly, if we look at social media as a standard, like, there are things like TikTok. People just keep doing the same shit. I've, I've heard that Celine... Is it Celine Dion song? Like... I pretty much just I only know about TikTok because I follow Keith Decent and he just posts like the best of the week and he'll do like 50 reposts of it. So he keeps my ear to the ground on TikTok, but I everything it seems like it's just whatever the meme is that week, everyone just yeah. does it. Yeah. And I don't know who any of those people are. I don't care who any of those people are. They're enjoyable to a degree? Question mark. But you know, Steve the pots and pans and the products that you guys produce i'm biased i'm horribly biased on the stuff that you guys create but i think between alex's outlook and design sensibility and his past in jewelry making and everything that created his story to get to where he is is why your guys' stuff looks the way that it does and i couldn't necessarily tell somebody else like Go find your own voice and make make a pan the same way. Well, I want to make it out of copper and stainless steel. Okay, it's not going to look like the forges. It just won't. So if that's what you're trying to achieve to find your individual voice, like what do you guys offer to these people who are fantastic at executing whatever their goal is, but are constantly wrought with trying to find their own voice?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a a bit of... um... Journey or the destination in there? Because mm. to your point, Brett, if you if you want to produce something and it gets the exact same position, you know, if you if you work out how to do that, the what what was the point? What what, yeah. what have you added to that story if you're just gonna end up with the same end product? And I would argue that it was how you got there. And and did you, you know, I, one of the one of the things I love I don't banging about the fucking forge. One of the things I love about the forge, Steve, is listening to the stories. How, yeah. how how you went about it, you know the actual end pan yeah, it's beautiful and functional and you know a, a nice object yeah, but I'm much more interested in the the burnt hands and the 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 dollies and jigs that you had to make and the you know the the problems you had with getting the the pan spun yeah. you know and everything that went into it so that so to me the um even if the end product is the same the spin that you put on it could be how you got how you went about it and and the journey you went on to get there
1: well i mean that that's the basically the premise of the entire business Mm. is you know you you can go you can go and buy a fucking spatula in tesco's for a fiver Mm. why the fuck would you spend 75 pounds on one from us it's because of the story it's not it's not just because it's a nice looking thing it's because of everything else that goes behind it and that's i think that that becomes um part of your style is your backstory like i mean al you you said about it right at the beginning like it's it's all of your your own experiences your own neuroses everything else that goes into to creating the things that you create it's like why why do you like it like this why are you putting that on there? it's because yeah. of this thing that happened to me 30 years ago or <laughs> whatever like it's or like because that's the you know that's the only equipment we had at the time so we had to do it like this and because we had to do it like that we liked the way it looked, so actually, we're still keep like the the texture on the copper. That texture is there because when we formed the bowls, they weren't they they weren't quite the right shape, so we had to to manually raise them, mm. um, which put the texture on them. And yeah, I think like the when the process becomes part of the story, which then becomes part of the the style. It's it's a beautiful thing, and I I don't think it's easy to say to someone, oh, "You need to go and find your own." style. I I don't
2: get it. I, there's a lot of that in my industry. People that's like yeah. illustrators and stuff. And I need to find my own style. It's like, no, you yeah. need to find your own stories to tell. Yeah. The style is almost irrelevant. You know, it's, yeah. it's by its very nature. It's a style. It's trendy. Yeah. yeah. It will, it, it too will pass. It's, it's the stuff that goes into it. The ingredients I think is more important. Yeah, definitely. So well said between both of you. <clears throat> that was
0: fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I like this idea that, um, the advice that that we could give out or that i'm kind of collecting from asking these questions is figure out what what your story is Mm -hmm. if you're trying to find that voice outwards or if you're trying to find whatever your style is and what you're producing if if you're a maker which you probably are if you're listening to this um i had a really hard time developing a visual style in illustration and graphic design as well because that was pretty much just like you're going to go be a commercial artist for other people you just need to learn how to stylistically copy a bunch of successful brands and how to use helvetica 15 different ways but when it came to illustration like every now and again i would put up a drawing in class that would be like yes that's the one and i still have it i have it on an old hard drive i have one drawing that I kept from art school that I've kept in a specific folder to say like that. That was a thing that I nailed. I felt comfortable with the approach and I like the outcome, Mm. like how it looks. That would technically be the closest thing to a style that I ever found. The problem is I'm horribly influenced by, if anybody pays attention to any illustrators, like uh, Ralph Steadman specifically who did the Dr. Gonzo stuff and did some Lewis Carroll illustrated books, Um, super kind of fidgety and whacked out characters and a little bit, you know, skewed perspectives and and anatomies and things like that. But also HR Geiger was, I I never did anything that anatomically correct, but also spacey and sci-fi. And there's a guy named Ernst Haeckel, which was just, he was a scientist or botanist, I don't know, biologist, but did a bunch of drawings and people put his drawings in a collection. (laughs) Um, All of these little things are pretty diverse from each other. Like they're individually, they don't look like many other people's work, right? Yeah. So I don't even know what this, um, what this mix is that goes through my head, but I I still feel like I'm trying to find a style, but what I've become more comfortable in, especially in producing the YouTube videos, is I want to be a better storyteller. And if that style comes out of how I want to tell a story, whether it's color grading, Al, or the specific way that I choose to shoot kind of up close rather than wide and for long stretches of time, um, I... I love this, this maybe new approach that we could start giving people of like, what's your journey been and not necessarily, where's it going to take you to the end goal, or where's it going to find the style? What are all the aspects of how many cups of coffee <laughs> do you drink and how shaky is your hand? Maybe
2: it would lead to something with your shaky hand. Yeah. But I think shut yeah. sh- 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 your mouth. And um, the, <laughs> no i I just need i just need to jump in on brett's because i've not heard the name ernst haeckel for 10 years and i was doing a talk about um a beer brand that i came up with an imaginary beer brand that i actually ended up brewing the beer and creating the labels and bottling um and i did a talk and at this event there was all these prints of this artist Oh, and, nice. it, and, and it was absolutely stunning, and I'd never, I'd never seen him before. I'd never heard of him before. Yeah. And these, um, Steve, I don't know if you, I'll send you a link, um, and we need to put it in the shots. But basically, he's like an anatom- anatomical, like biological illustrator. Hmm. But yeah, fucking incredible. And yeah. I, I'd never seen this before, Brett. But the, the, I don't know where they got them from. They had I these say, like six. I can't foot- remember
1: who put me onto it recently
2: they had like six foot prints in this, in this exhibition, uh, yeah. like from, uh, from the time, I don't know how yeah. they did them or where they got them from, or they were from the museum or something. I, I do believe I spiffed. Right. Yeah. They I think all, you might have like, been, Yeah, it's a just, while. It's all coming back to me and, and, and these, these prints are amazing. So if nobody was paying attention to Brett Spiff, we'll, we'll put it in the show for this episode. Cause the, those yeah. illustrations are just incredible. Good shout.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely, and yeah, I think it was you uh, spiffing it, Brett. But um, but yeah, so to go back to the the point you were making though, like I think with with style though, it's it's not it's not a, a static thing. Style changes, style develops, style moves. Like you know, the you look at Coca Cola. Like everyone thinks of Coca Cola as being this iconic brand, and everyone is instantly recognizes it. But they've they've changed their style over the the last hundred or so years um like and like there's to go back to to my aesthetic again as a back to what i was saying um building on what i was saying (laughs) um like it would be really easy for me to make the joke i still wear the same stuff that i wear when i was 18 because there are elements of it that are exactly the same but yeah it's a a different cut of jean it's a different um it's a different colored plaid (laughs) shirt it's still a fucking plaid (laughs) shirt um it it, you know it's a different beanie or whatever like the yes the elements are the same but they're slightly tweaked and i think that's the same with with anything like the the videos that i am going to be making this year are going to be different to the videos that i was making a year ago they're still gonna be the same style it's just gonna be slightly developed um i mean you look at laura's channel you look at her really early videos and yes it's still definitely her style it's definitely her style of videos but now they've changed and now it's, it's developed a bit more. I mean, her latest video where she was, uh, she's quarantined and she had to film it all on her iPhone. So there wasn't those, you know, beautiful focus pools and, and stuff like that, but it was still easily recognizable as a Laura video. Mm. Um, and I think that's the thing to remember is your style is not rigid. You, you can change your style. If you want to change something about how you do things or how you, present yourself or how you present your work or anything like that you can do it um and again it's it's an evolution it's constantly evolving and it's it's okay to to change that i think people get way too caught up in the idea of like i oh, know well, this is this is your way of doing things therefore you're never allowed to change like the everyone always talks about the forges style but when i joined the workshop five years six years ago we didn't even make kitchenware we made barbecue tools and it was all fucking shepherd's crooks and pig's tails like there was no none of the stuff that we make now like our our current style is very different to what it was five years ago but it still shares um st- still shares some dna with it that's yeah
0: my last little quick you note can share my that. dna No, oh, that sounds very strange <laughs> just jumping off of that steve i think it's really important for people to remember that um if you cling on cling on if you hang on to whatever this sense of style you have or whatever your your um your techniques your approach whatever the end game is that you have in your head like not only can that change but you should kind of allow yourself to to find whatever that spin is or whatever that style is if I I keep bringing up Picasso, but think of how many painters, if you know anything about classic painters went through like a blue period or, or shifted Hmm. media, you know, they, Oh, they used to just only work in oil paint. Now they started working in pastel. These things happen. We see from afar, it's almost like social media nowadays, but we see the evolution of these people and we just have condensed 60 years into a handful of photos of this person's artistic evolution. So give yourself a little bit of a break is all I'm going to say. I think we all want to be a bit individualistic and, and have our own voice and style. But if you're just constantly trying to find that thing, you're going to get, it gets diluted. You end up in this gray zone of not really having a sense of self or uh you're trying to fight this style, but it ends up causing issues in, in just like your day-to-day life where, well, today I'm going to be the hat guy. I'm going to be the hat guy <laughs> going forward. And you're like, okay, you're the hat guy now. And you're like, yeah, that's my thing. I show up everywhere. I make sure everybody knows I'm the hat guy. D- really? Like a hat <laughs> does not make you a different person, right? I want to know about the journey. Whatever yeah. article of clothing, Steve, whether or not it makes you look like a farmer constantly. You're Steve. You are you are the Steve in our group. Everybody knows about we are Steve. That has nothing to do with what you wear and everything to do with who you are as a person. Al, your hair has a lot to do with you <laughs> and your presence. But I I feel like in our, you know, corner of the community and everything like that, things like Tira and these projects that you've made and Brainless and all these things that Got eyes on you, or or we got to be really excited about talking about them. They're all great. But at the end of the day, I feel like more people know that you had you know a cooking background or that you're the guy with the fuzzy face logo and the two eyes and all these things. they're they have nothing to do with what you wear. It doesn't matter what t-shirt you wear. It doesn't matter that you necessarily dressed up like Jane, although we love the Fool fly series it's who you are as a person and and this journey that you've been on that i feel like more people connect with anyways
1: yeah i mean i think it it's an interesting one the fact that you you talk about like the the trying to force a style and i think that's a really good point like i don't i think if you try and force your own style it's it's the same as if you're trying to imitate imitate someone else's style it's not a natural thing style is something that comes naturally it's like it's like when you were younger and you had like a an older uh or you had a parent or like a an uncle or auntie or something that was like oh yeah i'm the cool one <laughs> it's like if you try and be cool you're not cool like and if you try and be like this is my style it's not your style yeah. your your style is something that comes naturally it, it's like how you how you make something how you film something like it, it comes from those techniques it comes from those lessons it comes from those little on the fly decisions that you make that you don't even realize you're making a conscience 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 decision. I can't say that word. Uh, conscious decision. Conscient. Um. Uh. Like yeah, you know, it, it's not. It, it's it, it's part of you. It's part of who you are. That it, that is your style. It's not something that you can you can force or you can um, you can overthink. It's it's something that comes naturally and i think that's that's one of the things is you, you've got to not um not overthink it and just allow like make the thing do the thing get to the end result that you want to have and your style will come with that
2: sorry i, I thought you had a thing that you you had your hand up i did but i thought you were gonna i thought you were gonna spiff yourself then no. um no I, it's, it's just got me thinking about divorcing the two things about style and about intent Yeah, Brett, you're you're talking about the artist, and it's it got me thinking about Dali, my favorite artist. His style of painting is just Renaissance painting. Yeah, with a suggestion of impressionism in there. It's it's his stories that he's telling, and his intent and subject matter that makes his work compelling. His paint is just generic oil paint. Yeah, but it's 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 the. Adventures he's been on, the 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 way his mind works and the way he wants to communicate to you that makes it interesting. Otherwise, you're just looking at another oil painting in a gallery. Yeah. So I think again, the style is very different to what you're actually trying to achieve. And putting your spin on something can be in someone else's style. That's fine. So back to the 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 DiResta style thing. By all means, film in the deresta style. It's easy yeah. to absorb, it's accessible, you know, it's um Multilingual, You know, you don't have to do a voiceover or anything like that. But make the story that you tell your own. Yeah. Because that's different. Yeah. And that is spiffing. People, People that we think that are all spiffing. In which case, Al,
1: have you got an
2: order? Yeah, it's bass, like Sega bass fishing on the Dreamcast.
1: Ooh uh which means brep you are first.
2: Okay. So
0: respiff and obviously we talked about it in this episode but I want everyone to go and look for uh any prints, well, let's say books, like full books, right, collections from Ernst Haeckel. Um I think even if you're not into illustrations or or if, I don't know, having beautiful books isn't really your thing, which it should be. Um, I think his work as a scientist, biologist, that just wanted to record and draw things. like He wasn't going for a style. He wasn't expecting that his prints were going to get sold anywhere. He was just recording what he was seeing. And now we have collections of his works. And it's crazy. I feel like I could call his style out from a million miles away not an illustrator, not an artist, not trying yeah. to be anything else, right? Basically created a voice for himself without even without even fucking trying or just <laughs> recording his journey, right? So record your journey, everything that we were talking about during the episode, right? Like pay attention to the journey that you've been on and the story that you want to tell about what's made you, you. Um, as a little aside from this, if anybody goes and orders a book anywhere congrats but remember that challenge i was talking about earlier in the episode of the 300 fish or the 300 dogs or whatever (laughs) you want to challenge yourself dan's thing is beautiful i love the business card holder if you maybe don't want to physically make a bunch of stuff take out a sheet of paper try and pick something to draw and then draw (laughs) it as many different kinds and as many different ways as you can and just see how many you could do it is Way more difficult than you think, and super helpful to creative process. That's it for me. Spiffing is Ernst Haeckel.
1: Nice, no,
2: good. not to be for confused sure. with Ernst Haeckel, the Nazi uh, airplane designer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, easy. No, um, I'm I'm pretty sure one of the guys from the British Museum has a very similar name as well. Um, <laughs>
2: Ray anyway, uh... I'm Hal.
1: What about Hugh? Uh,
2: I am going to spiff a YouTube channel called Nerd of the Rings. Uh, I don't know why, but very lately I've just been really getting back into Lord of the Rings um, and the whole lore and the Silmarillion and everything around it, the backstory behind everything that we know and love. Hmm. Um, And Nerd of the Rings channel, it's essentially like the Wikipedia for like one wiki to rule them all kind of thing yeah but he's just does an episode on one specific subject at a time so he'll do an episode on uh balrogs or he'll do an episode on uh numenor or he'll do an episode on durin you know it's just really specific things that you can absorb in short-term videos um but there's so much kind of backstory i mean tolkien essentially if you ever read the lord of the rings it's just history. Yeah. The the actual story and the events are just consequence of him telling a history <laughs> of, of this imaginary place he, he made up. Um but this really delves into all the all the kind of backstory to all these things as well. So it's 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 if you like Lord of the Rings, I suggest you check out Nerd of the Rings. Um and it's all really nicely narrated. He does the odd accent for like Gandalf and stuff. Yeah. Um but it's done with the illustrations as well. So it's kind of fan arty. Nice. Um like illustrations that he's obviously taken from online. But what's yeah. great is that you get to see some of the things that you've only ever heard in mention. So there's visuals of things which have, you know, maybe you've got one or two lines written down in a book yeah. and you're actually brought to life. So it's like, oh, that's <laughs> that character, or that's what those elves look like. It's yeah, great. Yeah. So check it out. It's super easy watching. Uh, nice. Even listening, I just have it on the background, like as audio, because yeah. he's just telling the story of these characters and stuff. So it's great. That's it's fucking cool. I
0: nice. am turning that on after this episode is yep.
1: over yeah i might have to uh to check that out tonight um nice yeah no good shout man. uh right i'm last i'm gonna go with um so uh a little while back i spiffed uh wolf wine uh a wine merchants uh up in bath near me um uh i know sam he's fucking lovely and i love his style uh but one of the things that he does that i really like is every year at the beginning of the year, so in January, they get they commission a local artist to redesign their logo. So every year their logo changes, which you know, oh, wow. again, their their style <laughs> is constantly changing. Um, or at least their I don't know how products. much I agree with that approach. I love the idea. It's it's fucking brilliant. And I and I love it because it means that because <laughs> the logo is not a brand, Brett. That's why exactly. I- yeah. And the you know, the the brand itself and the 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 style of the company um still is still runs throughout it mm-hmm. but they've just got a different logo um which is great because it means they can then sell merch and stuff like that <laughs> um but the the person they got to do the logo this year is uh someone called robbie wj woodcuts um and that's all one word on instagram so robbie wj woodcuts um and it's just clan carved woodcuts um uh they i mean he also does um like a couple of like procreate sort of style um things but yeah go and check out the instagram there's just some fucking gorgeous stuff on there like i really like that sort of style of um of art anyway um and yeah just like it was a really nice one to find um lots of bits on there that i like and he's he's local and and nice so so yeah
2: I, I fully endorse this, Biff, Steve, because um, I actually used this artist um, at work today. Really? Yeah, um, as a, a reference for this exact su- subject, which is about style. Um, ah. And the fact that it's woodcut, but yeah. it feels modern. Yeah. Because there's a tendency for the second you apply a certain technique to something, it just feels chewy and old-fashioned and traditional. Yeah. And I was trying to get across the idea of craft, but with like a modern spin on craft. Um, And this was a great visual cue to that because it, it, it's it got all that authenticity and loveliness and yeah. warmth and and imperfections that you get from wood, woodcut. But it feels like really contemporary. Yeah. Uh, thus making it his own style, you know he's not just doing a, a woodcut wolf. Yeah, he's he's done something that's really really different, interesting. So, as with Brett and the Steves, fully endorse these biffs. Go check them out. Fucking brilliant. Good, good shout. Good stuff.
1: Uh, right, is there any other business? Nothing. Nada.
0: Is it? no. I guess I kind of tacked mine onto my spiff. Sorry. Yes.
1: Uh, So the only thing I will say is uh, if you want a, uh, a different perspective on a very similar subject, then go and check out the guys over at two thirds focus. Um, It was, I genuinely enjoyed uh, the entire podcast, even if it meant listening to Rasmus um, for far too long. Um, The other thing is if, uh, if you go and listen to it and check it out, um, Jan is currently re-listening to um uh, sorry, rereading the Harry Potter series. Uh so feel free to send him spoilers for books that he's already read because it's <laughs> so much fun. He's getting so wound up. Um but yeah, uh that's it. So if you want to find us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moontime Metaworks, you can find Brett at Skull and Spade13, and you can find Al at Al's Hackshack. Al's hack Shack? Ooh.
0: is there a question um, mark
1: at the end of that logo <laughs> 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 fuck's sakes uh right uh yes that's it uh if you want to find us as a group you can find us of to everywhere um thank you ever so much everyone for being here this has been enjoyable uh and um, we shall see you next time pew pew hello